Well, hello there, babes, and welcome back to another episode of Your Place or Mine. I'm your host, Bay Savage. How are we doing today, babes? We feeling good? Feeling spicy? Not because we're enjoying spicy activities, but because it is so fucking hot here in Toronto. Still in the middle of a heat wave. We had a brief reprieve. It now feels like 37 degrees outside, so... Uh, I do love summer, but I gotta tell you, I'm struggling. I had hours and hours of passionate sex the other night, which was quite wonderful. Uh, But so fucking sweaty. (laughs) Really, really sweaty. Uh, Anyways, today I want to talk to you babes about non-monogamy. Now, obviously, it's not the first time we're talking about non-monogamy, but I want to talk about some of the biggest misconceptions Now, I do want to clarify, as I have before on the podcast, this is not meant to be a pro-nomonogamy, pro-polyamory propaganda piece, okay? (laughs) Uh, Yes, I do find that when I have more conversations about the the deeper sides of non-monogamy that a lot of people don't understand, sure, there's a tiny piece of me that thinks someone might connect with some of this and realize this might be a lifestyle they're interested in exploring, But I will continue to reiterate, I don't think monogamy is wrong. I don't think non-monogamy is right. I think that there are very many different relationship styles that are right or wrong for each individual person. So if you're a monogamous, awesome. If you're non-monogamous, awesome. If you're non-monogamous, some of this will probably resonate with you quite deeply. If you are monogamous, my goal in this episode, and really in this podcast in a lot of ways, is to just open your mind ever so slightly into the idea that non-monogamy is an acceptable choice and has value. Because I really think there are still a lot of people that don't believe non-monogamy can be a valid style of having relationships, and that makes me quite sad. But we're getting there, right? And conversations like this that I'm about to have with myself, to all of you, (laughs) I think are an important part of the overall conversation. So we're going to talk about like my top five non-monogamy myths or misconceptions that I feel come up in conversation very often. Part of the reason this is kind of top of mind for me right now and I wanted to talk about it today is because I've been doing a lot of dating. So as I've gotten back out into the world of dating. I'm going on, like, recently, two dates or so a week with new people, as I am trying to build new, wonderful connections with ongoing partners. I am finding that I'm having a lot of conversations about non-monogamy, about my version of non-monogamy, and unfortunately sometimes defending non-monogamy, which, uh, pro tip, not very fun, not a very fun conversation to have on a first date, A really great way to ensure that date is not moving anywhere else. (laughs) I think the fact that I'm so open about being non-monogamous, it's right in my profile on different dating apps that I'm using. I'm still baffled when I go on dates with men who are quite (laughs) anti-non-monogamy. It's like, what are we doing here then? (laughs) Like, why am I having drinks with you at this point if you think... My lifestyle choices are completely invalid. Um, I'm quite confused. Anyways, I 
have also had some wonderful dates recently, so we're moving in an okay direction, but I want to get some of this out there, and I do think I have had friends over the past eight years I've been a part of this lifestyle who do feel they are gaining some more education from their relationship with me and are more open-minded to different relationship styles, and that's really what I want. Because I don't think more people have to be non-monogamous, not that it would be a bad thing, but I think it would be cool if more people were not offended <laughs> by my lifestyle choices. So the first one I want to talk about is the fact that it's only and all about sex. And babes, that's just not the case. I will be honest, when I first dipped my toe into non-monogamy with my husband at the time, a lot of it was about exploring things in the bedroom because I married my first boyfriend. I married the only person I'd ever had sex with. And I didn't get that exploratory time where I spent the time figuring out what I wanted and what I liked in bed. And I explored sexual, physical chemistry with new people and... A lot of it for me when I first began was about just being a hoe. And babes, that's also valid because <laughs> we're allowed to be hoes. And it did start in a lot of ways with just wanting to fuck. And that's also allowed. And I think I, when we look at being non-monogamous and kind of where I fall in my own non-monogamy, my my polyamory has gotten deeper and more emotionally driven like every year that I've been a part of this lifestyle. And yeah, sex is really wonderful. But you know who else? What other group of people really like to have sex? Monogamous people. Non-monogamous people don't own being sluts. We, we aren't the only ones who enjoy having sex. A lot of people enjoy having sex because, spoiler alert, sex is awesome. <laughs> I think more people would be happier with having some more sex sometimes. If you don't want to have sex, that's totally okay. But monogamy and non-monogamy are both not only about sex. Yeah, sometimes non-monogamous people get to have a little bit more of it with more partners. Sometimes monogamous people have more sex than non-monogamous people. It's not just about sex. It's about connection. And for me... My version of polyamory is really about my capacity to care for multiple people. And yeah, I like to fuck multiple people too. That's also allowed. But it's not just about sex. Now the second one we go into is surrounding jealousy. Now this comes up all the time. I have conversations with people about this all the time. It's come up on the podcast prior the different ways I hear this fear or misconception come up is in phrases like non-monogamy doesn't work long-term because people are inherently jealous. Or someone saying to me, I could never do non-monogamy because I would get too jealous. Now the fact that someone's choosing to like hold tightly onto their jealousy, like that's more important to them, <laughs> does seem a little bit backwards. But I understand what they're, where they're coming from. And I think it's important to understand that when someone decides to become non-monogamous, decides to walk down the polyamory road, it doesn't mean that we never feel jealousy again. We don't just like hand in our 
jealousy badge <laughs> at the door and never feel jealousy again. Jealousy is a part of life and we start feeling jealousy as children and sharing toys and not wanting to share toys and I think that does develop in into our adult lives in so many different capacities and it's not about learning how to not be jealous. It's about learning how to handle your jealousy in a mature, appropriate way. Now, I realized early in my non-monogamy days that when I was feeling jealous of a partner being with another partner, that jealousy always, and I mean always, stemmed from a personal insecurity. And that can show up in a lot of different ways. Now, what I found is I don't very often at all feel jealousy when I'm thinking about my partners having sexy relations with their partners. I have no issues picturing a partner having sex with another partner. That doesn't phase me because I don't, I view sex in a bit of a different way than I know some other people do. And I love sex. Sex is this incredible, fun, connective experience with another person. Sometimes it is this very passionate love-filled, intimate connection. Sometimes it's just fucking, and that's also very fun. And there's a lot of different varieties of that. So I have no issue with my partners fucking other people. Where I found I was feeling jealousy, and what took me more time to overcome, was the other moments and memories they were making with other partners, along with often the time that other partners were taking. Now, an example of the first option would be when I was with Calvin, we, we were together for a few years and we did end up closer to the end, kind of getting into a habit that happens with some longer term relationships where you don't do as many like fun, exciting dates out or more romantic dates out. You have more nights in, you go to your regular spots. There's that comfortable familiarity in what you do when you date out of the house and as much as that's lovely and has its own version of intimacy that's really really wonderful what I was finding was Calvin was going on dates with his other partners and there were these really fun exciting dates that I wanted him to be taking me on for example they would go to art galleries or they would go to different live events or parties and they just sounded like these really fun, exciting, intimate events that I was feeling jealousy that I didn't get to explore dates like that with Calvin at that time. Had I been on dates like that with him before? Of course. Had it been like wildly long time since that had happened? No, not at all. But it can feel in the moment tough when they're experiencing an, an adventure with another partner that's not yourself. Now, that doesn't mean that what Calvin was doing was wrong. That doesn't mean that what I was feeling was wrong. All I needed to do was communicate how I was feeling. And we started going on different dates. And we were able to work on that insecurity I was feeling. Now, when it comes to time commitments and jealousy around not getting enough time, that, again, just stems from communication and expectations. If you do have a primary partner and you're dating multiple partners, it's very clear 
that you need to explain how much time you're giving each other, how much time you're giving other partners. And you have to constantly communicate to ensure that everyone is still feeling happy and fulfilled in that situation. So these feelings of jealousy will come up, but they do end up coming back to this idea that I'm feeling insecure about this thing, (laughs) whatever that thing is. That insecurity is making me feel that there's a chance A lot of that insecurity stems from the idea that if they're doing something or spending more time or giving different attention to another partner, maybe that partnership is becoming more important than your partnership. This just ties into if you're practicing hierarchical polyamory where you do have a primary partner and secondary partners. And and there can be that deep-seated fear that your partner that you're so in love with might choose to leave you for this other partner. Now, babes, this is where this misconception comes in. Because within the world of non-monogamy, it's not about choosing one person over another. That's not where this stems from. Because people who are polyamorous have the ability to connect with multiple people. And if you're in a relationship and, and your partner meets someone new that they really connect with, that can happen whether you're monogamous or non-monogamous. When you're non-monogamous, you have the ability to talk it out. You have the ability to unpack what does this mean for your ever-evolving connections. And that's not a bad thing. People talk about how if you're the, they would never be in a non-monogamous relationship because what if they meet someone new that they like more than me and they'll leave me? Well, I'm sorry to break it to you, monogamous people. That happens all the time in monogamy. If someone's meant to meet someone new and they're meant to have a greater connection in the future with that person, that's completely out of your control. And yeah, that's scary. I get it. It sucks for relationships to end. Do I wish wonderful relationships would last forever and always be sunshine and rainbows? Totally. (laughs) That would be really great. But unfortunately, that's not really the way things go. So jealousy is a part of life. But babes, I encourage you to unpack, maybe with a therapist, what that jealousy means to you. And how can you put yourself in a more secure situation with your partner to ensure that you know you feel safe and you know that they understand your needs and they're going to continue to communicate that with you. Now, the third misconception we're going to go into is about STIs, sexual health. Now, I'm passionate about this one, okay? So this might get a little bit intense. Now, I get this comment way more often than I should. It will come up on dates where someone will will be talking about non-monogamy and they'll be like, I'm cool with it as long as you're being safe. So, let's just unpack this issue, okay? If you're a monogamous person, I want you to think about your last, the last five new people you met. And I want you to think about at what point in that connection did you first ask them 
what their safe sex practices were. Okay? Out of those five people, how many of them did you ask when the last time they got an STI test was? I'm going to guess, and I don't want to assume, it's not the kind of conversation that comes up either before you go on your first date or on your first date. Now, I can confidently tell you that conversation comes up for me almost always before I meet a person. If it doesn't, it comes up on the first date. And if it doesn't, it comes up before I have sex with that person. Because sexual health is wildly important, babes. And if you are a person who has sex with multiple people, it is even more important. Now, the baffling part of this misconception is I have way more issues getting men to wear condoms or go get tested if they are self-identified as monogamous, okay? So I don't really have any room in my heart for this misconception because I am someone who gets tested regularly. I have had lots of sex. I have never had an STI because I always use condoms. And babes, sick of fighting monogamous men to put a fucking condom on, which is why I'm trying to fuck less of them. (laughs) Way more monogamous people get STIs than non-monogamous people. That's a full stop statement. Non-monogamous and polyamorous people are much more comfortable having conversations about safe sex. Again, I know that's a blanket statement, but if you're having a conversation with someone who's who with someone who is non-monogamous and you're curious about this whole STI stigma, fuck that shit, okay? Don't just don't because it's just not true. Just a quick little editor's note here. <laughs> I noticed uh, I'm editing this episode. This conversation around STIs, I want to be clear, I'm specifically talking about cis-het relationships because the queer community does an amazing job of talking about sexual health and using safe sex practices, so I just want that to be clear. This conversation around more monogamous people having STIs, it's about cis-het dudes. (laughs) That's the problem, but isn't it always the problem? Okay, back to the episode. Now, the fourth misconception we're going to go on to is that non-monogamous people are afraid of commitment. (laughs) And babes, this one also is quite ridiculous. I think when people hear, I'm non-monogamous, this person's non-monogamous, they do immediately go to, like, oh, you just fuck a bunch of people and you date a bunch of people all the time. And you just have this revolving door of humans in and out of your bed. I... I'm so okay with commitment, babes, that I have been in committed relationships for over a year with multiple people at the same time. I'm so okay with commitment that I will continue to commit to multiple people at the same time because I value long-term connections. Non-monogamy isn't for people who are afraid of commitment. It's for people who are super fucking comfortable with commitment. And they're also super open to committing to more than one person. And that doesn't mean that there's less value in that commitment because they're fucking other people. Because there's a lot of monogamous people who preach commitment and fuck other people and just don't tell their partners. And that isn't cool. (laughs) Because communication is important and cheating is shitty. And you can still cheat when you're non-monogamous, and that's still shitty. But it's less likely to happen. 
because non-monogamous people are more likely to communicate their emotions and to talk about the different people that they're dating because it's called ethical non-monogamy for a reason. Now the fifth misconception, and yeah, sure, I probably like lead into this one a little bit because I joke about being a slut all the time, but the common misconception is that non-monogamous people will have sex with anyone, and babes, we won't. <laughs> Ask the army of men in my DMs. <laughs> yeah, I like to fuck. Yeah, I have standards of who I will have sex with, and unfortunately... As I fall more in love with myself and understand more and more of what I want, my standards have skyrocketed because I'm only going to have sex with people who will respect me. I only want to have sex with people who will make me feel good about that sex that I'm having. And I'm only going to have good sex. And that means that if I'm not feeling enough of a connection with this person that I don't think I'm going to be comfortable enough to come, I'm not going to have sex with that person. The idea that non-monogamous or polyamorous people just want to fuck all the time and will fuck anyone is wildly wrong. You can be non-monogamous, you can be monogamous, you could have a high sex drive. Those are both allowed. But you are still allowed to choose who you would like to fuck and that doesn't need to be everyone. Or it can be. That's also fine. But stop assuming that people who are non-monogamous will want to fuck you, Chad, because they might not, and they probably won't. <laughs> uh, the last, like, bonus one that I'll throw in here is that it's not just non-stop orgies, okay? <laughs> this is, like, a silly thing I'll get on dating apps every once in a while when someone reads that I'm non-monogamous. They're like, oh, so, like, you like group play, and you have a lot of orgies, and you go to parties. Like, okay, that's not really the way the world works. Like, I know there are circles where that's how it works, and that's so cool. And, like, yeah, I haven't really been to an actual orgy yet, and, like, it's on my list at some point when I can find a situation where I feel comfortable. And, yes, I do enjoy group play, but that's not what it's about. My version of non-monogamy is about connecting one-on-one -on -one with multiple people. Yeah, I've told stories about threesomes and foursomes, and I still really enjoy doing that. But I don't do that because I'm non-monogamous. I do that because I'm kinky and I like to fuck. <laughs> My non-monogamy is about multiple romantic connections, multiple emotional connections, multiple intellectual connections. And I have sex with multiple people. That's a piece of it. But it's not just about orgies, okay? So to recap, it's not just about orgies. It's not just about sex. We still get jealous. We just deal with it in a mature way. And we think more people should maybe talk to their therapists about that issue. Also about the whole possession and ownership of another human. It's slightly problematic. No, we don't get more STIs. We actually talk about sexual health all the time. And we encourage everyone else to do it. And we use condoms. All of the time. <laughs> We're not afraid of commitment. We're super fucking cool with it, babes. And no, we will not necessarily have sex with you. <laughs> we might. So babes, we're going to keep this episode short and sweet today. I really just wanted to talk about some of this. And non-monogamy and polyamory are things that are very important to me. And my non-monogamy is a big part of who I am and has become a big part of how I connect with others. And 
I want to end this with an open invitation. If you are someone who is interested in exploring non-monogamy, if you are someone who is considering opening a relationship with your partner, if you are someone who has questions about non-monogamy, please, please send me a message. You can email me. My email address is yourplaceormindto at gmail.com. You can find me on Instagram at baysavagexo, or you can enter it in on the contact page at baysavage.com. I've made the mistakes, babes. I've done the wrong things in non-monogamy, and I've learned so much about myself, about relationships, and about how to navigate this new lifestyle. That if you want someone to talk to about this in a safe and secure way that's unbiased and separate from your friends and your family and your own relationships, please reach out to me. If you're a dude who's considering non-monogamy and wants to reach out to me because you want to fuck me or go on a date with me and you want me to teach you how to do non-monogamy, I'm not going to do it. (laughs) I'll have a conversation with you and offer you some advice, but I'm not dating people who are new to non-monogamy at this point in my life because I've done my duty for the lifestyle to educate a lot of men and I'm taking a break from it, okay? So you can pay me to do that. (laughs) I'm mostly kidding. Anyways, babes, I just appreciate you listening. If you are monogamous, again, I don't hate you. I don't think you're wrong. I think you, I'm probably jealous of your relationship because you probably have this long-term lovely connection that I think is wonderful. And I'm still fucking single, bitches. (laughs) But I do appreciate you listening to this side of the conversation as well. Now, if you're not following me on Instagram, babes, figure it out. Base Savage XO. Let's be friends. Send me a DM. I'd love to hear what you're thinking of the podcast. I do have merch that's going to be coming up in the next few weeks, so I'm super fucking excited about that. Stay tuned for some super exciting things. This has been yet another episode of Your Place or Mine. I'm your host, Bay Savage. I hope you all have a beautiful Sunday. Stay cool if you are here in Toronto, babes. And... Maybe go get an STI test if it's been more than a minute, okay? (laughs) Bye, babes. See you next Sunday.